0: Hi, this is Allison Sheridan of the No Silicast podcast, hosted at podfeet.com, a technology geek podcast with an ever-so-slight Apple bias. Today is Sunday, January 19th, 2020, and this is show number 767. Well, as we start this fun-filled but not mammoth-sized episode, I have to wonder how many of you stayed till the bitter end last week. If you did, there was a little Easter egg. I don't think it was like epic or anything, but I made myself laugh, and that's all that's really important to me. Well, Speaking of this week, we have lots of varied content. We're going to kick off with a review of Masterclass by Terry Austin. Then we have a big treat. I convinced Steve to be in front of the camera for one interview at CES. The interview was with a company called Aquark, which is working on miniaturizing quantum technologies. I was clearly not the right person to do the interview, and he was clearly the right person. Next up uh, after that, I'm going to tell a tale of fantastic Mac tech support from an unexpected place, Microsoft. Then we pick back up on our CS coverage with Stephen, my favorite interview of the show. It's with a company called Navitas, and we learn how their gallium nitride semiconductor technology is able to shrink our mobile device charges, chargers and make them super light at the same time. It is a nerdy and awesome interview. After that, I'm going to tell you about three of the gall- gallium nitrite, I'll get it right, gallium nitride. they call it GAN, so I'll call it GAN. After that, I'm going to tell you about three of the GAN chargers Navitas gave me and how awesome they are. And we're not done yet. We've got two more interviews in the show. The first is for the Sense Electricity Usage Monitor, which is a device you can put in your home to monitor all of the devices using power. Looks really cool. And then in more of the future technology space, I'll talk to the folks working on the Jenny Water Generation System that literally takes water vapor out of the air and makes drinkable water. Now, like I said, not as long as last week, but tons of great and varied content. Before I forget, on Super Bowl Sunday, I will not be doing the show on Sunday. I'm not sure when I'll do it, maybe Saturday afternoon, not sure, probably hard to do a live show because I'm going to be down at, uh, we're both going to be down at Lindsay's for Super Bowl, but Super Bowl Sunday, you're off the hook, you don't have to come to class, okay? Everybody in the chat room, you heard that? No Super Bowl Sunday class here. Now, I only switched over to Carbon Copy Cloner from Super Duper a few months ago, but I am a total convert. I wanted to learn more about it, and the best way to learn is to teach. So I decided to do a video tutorial for Screencast Online all about Carbon Copy Cloner. Before I, start making, I started making my mind map, using my beloved iThoughts, of course, I thought I knew the basic depth of Carbon Copy Cloner. I mean, I had the feel of it, you know, how it works, and I figured this one would be pretty easy. But I was wrong. This tool is incredibly powerful, and it can provide much more capability than I ever realized. Now, if you'd like to see the video on Screencast Online, the tutorial that I made, you'll have two choices. You can start a free seven day trial of the Screencast Online service and watch Carbon Copy Cloner and everything from the back catalog you can fit into that seven days, or you can become a subscriber to Screencast Online. Now, if you want to sip Screencast Online on a month to month basis, it's only eight bucks a month to get the full weekly show uh, that's like 35 to 45 minutes and a weekly tip video. Or you can go with the annual plan and pay $72, which works out to like around $6 a month. I have to warn you, it's dangerous to try the service because you're very likely to become a subscriber. Now, don't blame me if you end up loving it and you can't resist it. Now, back to the video, I have to say that I was very nervous making this tutorial on screen on uh, Carbon Copy Cloner because I wasn't sure I could do justice to it. The options can get pretty deep, so I was worried, what if I said some really dumb things in it? I decided to do something I've never done before. I sent the pre-released rough cut video to the developer, Mike Bombick of Bombic Software, before I let the Screencast Online editors work on it. I was quite gratified to get this response back from Mike. He wrote, this is incredible. This is better than any video I've put together. You're very good at this. I watched the whole thing. You even gave a shout out for Simple Mode. Simple Mode is often overlooked and obviously it can do a lot less, but it has a very warm space in my heart. So, as uh, Bart would say, I guess I didn't make a dog's
1: dinner out of my video on Carbon Copy Cloner. Hello, fellow castaways. Terry Austin here, and I have just got to tell you about the best Christmas present ever that I sort of gave myself. Well, really, my sweetheart got me $100 in iTunes gift cards from Costco at about 80% of their market value, Her mother got me another $50 in iTunes cards, so there I am looking at a balance of about $150 in my App Store account, right? Well, like many of you, I've seen advertisements for quite a while now for masterclass.com. I installed their app on my iPhone with the intention to buy one class from one instructor, Gordon Ramsay. By the way, I love to cook. You can buy just one class for about $90, and I believe you have access to that one course pretty much forever. So my iTunes balance would more than cover that cost. It was a no-brainer. When I went to make that purchase, however, I noticed that an all-access pass to their whole library of over 70 instructors, some of those with multiple classes, was only $180 per year. I did a little mental calculation at that point. Since it would only be $30 out of pocket for me, considering the $150 balance due to the gifts I mentioned above, I figured what the heck, and I just jumped in the deep end and bought a year of access to their whole library. This thing has completely blown me away. I've got culinary instructions from Gordon Ramsay, multiple classes, by the way. Also multiple classes from Thomas Keller, owner of the French Laundry, also voted Best Chef in America, Wolfgang Puck, Alice Waters from Chez Panis, Dominic Ansel, who does blow-you-away pastry stuff, Masimodo Bottura, who's a three-star Michelin Italian chef, Aaron Franklin, who does Texas barbecue, lots of stuff in here that will absolutely blow you away. Now, aside from the Phenomenary Culinary Training I'm getting, Here's a short list of other classes I'm taking. I've got in-depth magic training from Penn and Teller, and Teller actually talks. Game theory and design from Will Wright, who did Sims and SimCity. Chess lessons from Gary freaking Kasparov. Scientific thinking from Neil deGrasse Tyson. Space exploration from Chris Hadfield. Photography lessons from Annie Leibovitz and Jimmy Chen of National Geographic fame. Seriously, go look at this site. Look in detail. You may decide it's not for you. That's cool. But I'm telling you, especially if you can get some iTunes cards at a discount, this is way beyond worth it. Chances are better than 95% that I'm renewing for another year, and that's 11 and a half months away. If you compare this to something like Hulu or Netflix, the cost is $15 per month. And this stuff is stratospheric level production quality that actually matters to you. Oh, I didn't mention that they really put some thought into their deployment. You can watch on their website you can watch on the Apple TV app, on iOS devices. If you choose to open on the iPhone app, you even get this really cool audio only mode option that runs audio in the background, and it even cautions you when some lessons are better if you watch in video, but it will still let you go audio only if you choose to after seeing that warning. So, I'm telling you folks, do yourself a favor. Go at least look at what's on offer over at MasterClass.com. You won't want to watch it all. Heck, I'm not going to watch it all, but there is a glorious flood of phenomenal material there to pick from. So, go check it out, and along the way, remember to stay subscribed. Hey, thanks
0: for that ending there, Terry. You know, I actually have a Masterclass subscription and I'm really enjoying it too. I'm not going the cooking route, but rather I've been watching Steve Martin teach comedy and it's awesome. You would think that's something that can be taught, but he's actually a very thoughtful guy and he's worked out like a process of how to be funny. It's, it sounds strange, but it's really, really good. I'm also learning to be a director from Brown Howard. While I'm more likely to become a stand-up comedian than I am to become a movie director, it's so fascinating to learn how he creates the magic that he creates. I also like watching him because Steve and I are rewatching The Andy Griffith Show on Netflix, and it's fun to see the six-year-old Ronnie and the 60-year-old Ron back-to-back. I'm really glad Terry did this review, though, because I had no idea there was an app for iOS. I've been using the uh, masterclass.com website, and while it worked, the app is ever so much more delightful. Also, and also knowing that I can do audio only when that's uh, all I can actually listen to is awesome. The Ron Howard one, for example, it's just him sitting there talking. So you could totally do uh, just the uh, just the audio on it. Steve Martin has a lot of bits that he shows he shows himself with like the arrow through his head and stuff. And that's kind of funny to actually see. Anyway, thanks very much, Terry, for sending this in and letting us know that you can use iTunes gift cards to pay for it. Because that that 20% off deal, those come from time to time, more often the 15% off, but then getting that off the price of Masterclass, very, very cool. And now, for Steve's first appearance in 2020.
2: I'm here with Dr. Andre Dragomir with... Aquark Technologies, and he is about to describe to us a very novel technique and technology for quantum computing and devices that can be made with miniaturized quantum computers. Could you uh, talk to us a little bit about
3: that, Andre? Yeah, hello. Um, so. Uh, everybody heard of the quantum computer and how uh, it can change the world, can just can leave semiconductor technology behind. What most people don't know is that, uh, together with the quantum computer, quantum technology brings along a huge array of different sensors, uh, like time measurement, gravity measurement. Uh, you can even go as far as making a navigation system that doesn't need connection to a satellite, for example, and has huge precision. Uh, and we are here to miniaturize all the current technology that's currently in laboratory environments and bring it to every. Everyday user. So, uh, if you like the processor of quantum technologies, the cold atom system, and it generally looks like that. It uh, occupies a huge room and it requires several PhD students to run, so, experienced personnel is definitely not currently fit for field applications however so this is a, a the quant- what would you call this a quantum computer or no it's a simple quantum system so it's like what lies at the heart of quant- the quantum computer and different quantum technologies so this is this is the device that would allow you to establish atoms or whatever in a quantum state and exactly. measure measure their state their state that's exactly it that's exactly it and we have managed to m- miniaturize all that into just this which is tiny, and that, that th- tiny device. This tiny is, little thing. Which is a miniaturized integrated vacuum chamber specifically designed for cooling down atoms.
2: So this obviously has no cryogenics associated with it. Tell me how you how you're keeping how are, are you keeping this cold or what do you do to cool it?
3: So in order to cool atoms down you generally need lasers, which is a bit counterintuitive because you think lasers, it hits things out, but actually if you use them properly, you manage to localize the atom in a single place, you're reducing their kinetic energy and so it just cools down, uh, almost down to zero Kelvin, so absolute zero. Uh, So beyond having a miniaturized vacuum chamber, you also need, uh, we also develop novel laser geometries that will accomplish that, and our first design for a product would be an atomic clock, which is right here. So can we show the camera this?
2: So the device that we're holding up, this quantum clock, measures about three by four by five inches on a side. It's a, a cube. Inside are a few modules and a couple of wires, but it's amazingly simple.
3: Can you say a few more words about that? Uh, yes, so uh, generally now the second is measured to an SI unit in London, and uh, the National Physics Laboratory have a huge room to measure that second. Well, most of the things that are in that room are fit in this box and we can measure time to a resolution to 10 to minus 11 seconds with this system. That,
2: That is amazing. So you're not actually doing
3: quantum computing with bits, but you're doing quantum measurement devices? Is that fair to say? That's the first stage. So the same technology can be applied to everything from time measurement up to quantum computing and quantum memory. But this will be our first stage to actually get into the market. And then what stage would you call this? Uh, that's pre-first stage. <laughs> so that, that's everything. That's the magic that allows us to miniaturize technology to this level. Okay,
2: so th- this quantum clock that I described, this 4 by 5 by 3 f- uh, inch cube, is that available and working today, or what state is this in today? Right, so this today, it can be built upon request. Gotcha. So that's the state this we're at. Okay, and then this other device, this very small, like half-inch on a side cube, what what kind of time frame are we talking for this kind of a device so that
3: is already available as soon as we have customers so that's one of our uh, one of our main points of being here so we're first looking for partners customers and maybe who knows investors and we can make this uh, more than just a lab based device
2: so so it, it would appear that you you would be marketing not as much initially to consumers but but companies that build devices that could incorporate quantum
3: technologies, quantum measurement? Exactly. So, first of all, we are planning on getting a bit of traction with universities and research groups. That was going to be the first year or so of our development, and the aim is to become the processor of quantum technology in, let's say, 10 years time, so that every car, satellite, or train will be based on our devices. This is fascinating. I really applaud what you're doing. Um so the company name again is Aquark Technologies and you can find more about us at futureworlds.com uh, where we have a profile set up and uh, you can also find out about more about other uh, startups that are joining us today as well so uh, futureworlds.com that's the place to be fantastic andre thank you very much it was
2: a wonderful to hear about what you're doing and i, I like to see this in the real world someday thank you hopefully we're going to get there thank you all right thanks for the interview awesome thanks
0: so am I right? Was Steve the right guy to do the interview? I think my favorite part was after he showed him the uh, quantum clock, He goes, Steve said, yeah, that looks pretty simple. <laughs> okay, maybe simple to you. Well, hey, I want to give Canada a special shout out for how much they bought from Amazon via the Amazon affiliate links on podfeet.com in the last month. I'm always telling you guys, if you use the link to a mic or a charger or something else technical on the site, and then you end up buying anything else or buying that, anything that you buy in that same session, a small percentage of all of that goes to help the show. And Canada came through like a champ this month. Canadians bought a USB mic, a Fire TV stick, anchor cable, an iPhone 10 or 10s case, but they also bought water filter cartridges, shoes, pillows, espresso cleaning kits, and more. I gotta tell you, every tiny little bit adds up to really, truly help the show. I know the ever-modest Canadians will be shy about accepting praise, but I'm giving it anyway. Thank you, O Canada. And by the way, there are tons of Amazon affiliate links coming up in my review of the gallium nitride chargers. Or you can always just go to podfeedcom Amazon to help the show. You know I've been a big fan of Excel for ages, but I often disparage Office 365's version of Excel. On my previous Mac, every single time I opened a spreadsheet, even an empty one, after two or three minutes, I would get a spinning pizza wheel After for like 10 seconds, and then it would go away and it wouldn't come back until the next time I opened a spreadsheet. I don't think it's happening on my newer Mac, which is inexplicable since they were both clean installs. When I first started begrudgingly using Office 365, I also hated the animations when you move cells and such, but I figured out how to turn them off and I was a little bit happier. I was excited to get Excel on my iPad, but it's so limited, I pretty much hate using it. Even simple things like changing the format of numbers is extremely limited. This week, I was recording uh, fan rotation in RPM, clock speed in gigahertz, and temperature in degrees Fahrenheit, and I wanted to do custom formatting so that the numbers recorded would remain numbers, but it would display it with the units. But of course, Excel for iPad couldn't do that. And have I mentioned how much I hate OneDrive? So I tried to save a file from Excel on iPad to Excel and iCloud Drive so I could fix the formatting using my Mac, but it moved the file and somehow it didn't sync back to Excel on the iPad inside iCloud Drive. Showed up on my Mac, but now it's not an iCloud Drive on my, de- on my iPad. I do not understand that. But guess what? None of that is the subject of this article. This is a story of awesome support from Microsoft. But first, there has to be a reason for me to contact Microsoft. You may remember item 28 of the 36 tech things that went wrong in a single day for me, but for the very few of you who didn't memorize the list, let me refresh your memory. Item 28 was that the format painter wasn't working in Excel. This is a fantastic little tool, and I've used it for, I don't know, at least a decade. The problem it solves is when you have one cell, or a range of cells, formatted just the way you want them, but you have another cell, or another range of cells, that you wanted formatted just like the first ones. You simply select the source cell, tap the little paintbrush icon in the Excel ribbon, and then tap on the destination cell, and boom, all your formatting has been copied and pasted. Font, font size, font color, background color, borders, you name it, you can paint it. You can even double click the paintbrush after selecting a source and then paint many times on all different cells to spread the joy. Sadly for me, my paintbrush was broken. I would select the source, Tap on the paintbrush, and I'd see the expected marquee, or, you know, sometimes people call them marching ants, as they're, you know, playfully called. Anyway, the marquee was going around where the format had been copied, but before I could tap a destination cell, the ants would quit dancing, indicating the copy was gone from the clipboard. And sure enough, selecting a destination cell would do nothing at all. Now, Excel help, just the, you know, from the menu, is surprisingly good. But on that faithful that fateful tech failure counting day, Excel help was a blank window with a spinning wheel. You know, I really should have counted that as an extra failure, but I had enough comedy of errors to make my point, so I let it share the format painter error. No amount of the Googles would shed any light on this problem. I couldn't figure out what was wrong with my format painter. I put up with the lack of the format painter for weeks and weeks, and then one day I thought, hey, I'm paying these jokers a hundred bucks a year for this software. Maybe I should make Microsoft help me directly. To my surprise, on the support pages for Office 365, there's a phone number. One of the best things about being retired is that you actually have time to waste on the phone with support. I got a pretty quick call back within a day from my little friend Abayami from Microsoft. At first, he took the classic path of speaking to me as though I was a normal user, that is to say someone not very technical, but fairly rapidly, he caught on to the fact that I wanted to go much more quickly. He asked to see my screen, which is exactly what I wanted him to do. He explained that they use LogMeIn, which is now owned by Microsoft. He was clearly a Mac guy, not a Windows guy who was begrudgingly working on the Mac team. He kept up with me as I gave uh, LogMeIn the appropriate permissions to record my screen, as required by macOS Catalina. LogMeIn asked not only for him to be able to watch, but also for him to be allowed to control my computer. I explained to Abayami that I would prefer to drive myself and not let him take control, and he immediately agreed. I could see other people thinking that they had to be able to take control, but he gave me no grief at all about it. Another thing I appreciated about Abayami was that on the few occasions where I needed to get a password out of one password, he immediately paused the log me in session and he asked me to verify that I could see it was paused before I revealed any sensitive information. I really appreciated the care and respect he showed. So I opened up an Excel file I had pre-created with some dramatically formatted cells and some unformatted cells. I demonstrated how I could engage the format painter, but how the marquee went away quite quickly and no formatting changes were made. I also explained to him that I had tested the format painter on Steve's iMac, which is also running macOS Catalina 10.15.2, and it worked as expected. While I was demonstrating the problem on my Mac, I told him that it kind of looked to me as though the clipboard was successfully picking up the formatting, but then somehow forgetting it. His diagnostic process was pretty much what you would expect. It was a matter of deleting plists from the user library. I'm as comfortable as anyone in deleting plists, but the trick is to know which ones and all of the places they're buried. He had me delete p-lists and such from uh, my home directory slash library slash containers and slash library slash group containers and reboot, but that didn't fix the problem with Excel. Next, he had me do a full uninstall of Excel, which was more complicated than you would think you have to download their license removal tool to truly strip Office 365 from your computer. And he then had me remove the plist that we talked about the first time and, of course, trash the application. By the way, he didn't give me a hard time for my having only Excel on my Mac, not Word or Outlook or, <laughs> heaven forbid, PowerPoint. But anyway, this process didn't fix the problem either. Abayami's next step was to run the uninstall steps again, and this time to download an older version of Excel, fifteen point four one and the problem was fixed. From within 15.41, I was able to upgrade to Excel 16.15, and it still worked. But from there, we tried going up to the current version, 16.33, and it failed again. So we did the dance and went backward again. He was ready to keep working at that point, but I said I had to go, and he said, hey, I'll call you back uh, tomorrow at the same time. Guess what? He did call me back at the same time the next day. I know that shouldn't be an amazing thing to report, but how often does that happen for you these days, that people actually call? still waiting for a call from Tesla from a week ago. Anyway, we started working through some ideas, none of which worked. Then he said he'd been talking to some higher-level folks he knew, and one had a new idea. He asked me, by any chance, are you using a clipboard manager? Why, yes, I am. You know, I'm a huge convert to clipboard managers and specifically copy and paste. I disabled copy and paste, and boom, the problem was fixed. Now, if you're listening closely, I gave myself the clue very early on that should have pointed me at my clipboard manager. I told Abayami that the way the ants would begin to march and then stop suggested that the format painter was successfully picking up the format, but that the clipboard was losing the format. Now, rather than give me a hard time for the fact that this was never a Microsoft problem in the first place, Abayami did high fives with me that we'd finally cracked the code on the problem. I commended him for his terrific support, and I signed off. Now, while I was delighted that Abayami had found the root cause of my problem with Excel, I was worried about my beloved copy and paste. I wrote to the developer of copy and paste, Hoi, and I wrote to him with trepidation because I was afraid I was revealing some, some terribly complicated problem with his software, or at the very least giving him a very difficult task to root out the bug. I shouldn't have worried. Hoy answered me almost immediately, pointing out that copy and paste was working exactly as I had configured it. Now, I'm sure you remember every single detail of my review of copy and paste and my video on Screencast Online about it, so you're probably yelling the answer at your device by now and maybe have been since the very beginning of this article. There are two places in copy and paste where I had actively caused the problem. In the main window, down at the bottom is a T. If you tap the T, it turns blue. From then on, it makes anything you paste, paste as plain text. I like having plain text pasting everywhere, so i had intentionally set it this way. Excel was following my express instructions. Hoy went on to explain that if the paste images as files of type transformation under the vertical dot 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 button is, is enabled, the marquee around copied cells will disappear as a result of that as well. I never would have suspected that control. The good news is that you can turn off transformations easily in copy and paste. I think I'll keep them on, but the next time I need the format painter, I'll know to toggle that feature off and copy and paste. So, the bottom line is that Microsoft Office 365 support rocks, Abayami rocks, and so does Hoy from copy and paste. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but a lot of the chargers are starting to get really, really small and really, really powerful. We're starting to see power delivery of 100 watts in, in devices, and uh, the magic behind that is the new semiconductor technology called gallium gallium nitride. So I'm here with the people who make that happen, Navitas, and this is apparently my cousin Eugene. His yeah. name is Eugene Sheridan, <laughs> the CEO right. of Navitas. How are you doing today?
4: I'm doing great, thanks. Great to meet you. All right, I'm so we're sure.
0: gonna get we're gonna get nerdy, right? Yes, You're gonna talk absolutely. about where where did we come from? What did we have before gallium nitride?
4: Yeah, so for 30 years, power electronics, power supplies, adapters, chargers like this have been designed with a silicon chip. Silicon was okay, but it's actually pretty slow, pretty inefficient. And when switching power supplies are slow, they're big and bulky. They can't deliver a lot of power. They are big in size if you try to deliver more power. Do they have a lot of heat loss too? Exactly. And if they're inefficient, inefficiency means the power is wasted as heat instead of getting to your mobile device for fast charging. That is all changing with gallium nitride. We finally invented a new technology to replace this 30-year-old silicon workhorse called gallium nitride, or GAN, it is up to 100 times faster and more efficient than silicon, and that's the engine or the heart of these chargers that can deliver a lot of power to your mobile device, and don't waste it. The charging efficiencies can be up to 95%, which means almost all that power is getting to your battery where that's you want fantastic.
0: it. That's fantastic, and way more better for the environment as well. Exactly. So, uh, but gallium nitride is, had not just been invented. That's been around for a long time, right? That's right. What, what changed... I mean, it's like in the last year, all of a sudden, gallium nitride's everywhere.
4: Yeah, and it it seems like that to the consumer because it seems to come out of nowhere. But in reality, for 20 years, people are working out the fundamental physics, fundamental reliability, improving cost structure, setting up manufacturing plants. And we came along the last five years to solve the last layer of the problem, which is usually the application problem, kind of like the internet. It's an awesome raw capability. What do you do with it? We took that GAN chip and found this application and had to design it to be optimized for chargers, GAN chargers. And we came up with the world's first GAN power IC where we can integrate a bunch of circuits, not just the transistor, which is the heart of it, but a bunch of analog, digital, and power circuits all on a GAN chip. We're the first company to do that and apply that to GAN chargers. When we did that, we made it easy to design them, cost-effective to design them, and commercially ready. And now we're seeing commercially ready becoming a reality. With 25 GAN chargers shipping today, probably be 50 of these shipping next year.
0: Wow, that is fantastic. I have seen a couple of companies going, okay, three months, we've got one coming out, we've got one coming out. They're not all here yet, but they're uh, but they're also a lot smaller as well. How, what, what caused that to happen? Because yeah, so, the efficiency?
4: Yeah, no, it's a combination of efficiency, because you got to get the heat out. If you make it smaller, you have the same amount of heat, it just makes it hotter. To right, your right, you that's what I was wondering, that. how you cool it. So you've got to get the really efficient, like 95% charging efficiency, as I mentioned. But secondly, it's a switching power supply. The faster you switch, the smaller the energy storage components can become inside the power supply so you can shrink them down. They hold less energy per cycle because I'm switching so fast that I can miniaturize these little passive components. So you're physically shrinking the size while delivering more power and not wasting that power with high charging efficiency. Wow, that is very cool. So
0: Navitas makes the semiconductors and then you guys are uh, you guys sell those components to
4: the anchors and the uh, right, Belkins, right, Belkins and everybody a great else. name and everybody even Verizon is getting in the game, even for Nintendo switch, you now have an adapter that can charge your Nintendo switch fast. And it's got an HDMI port built right in. So the entire HDMI cradle and port device and the power are all combined together. So we're getting a lot of new creative ways now that power can be so powerful and fast charging, but also so small with new form factors and new functions integrated all together.
0: I know there were dangers early on of, of trying to charge things too quickly, charging laptops too quickly. I never understood why. What, has that been circumvented with this in some way?
4: It is in that we don't, uh, there's... Now, very good. ever since the Samsung issue, there's very good battery protection circuitry on the mobile device side. But what's really happening, too, is that battery technology is slowly but surely getting better to handle more power and charge it faster. For, for decades, the standard was a 1C battery, which meant the maximum it could be charged is 0 to 100% in an hour. People, the mobile guys, are moving to 2C, 3C, 4C batteries, which literally means you can go from zero to 100% in 15 minutes, 12 minutes, 10 minutes. That's very exciting, but the only way you do that is by delivering a ton of power efficiently. That's where we commit. We solve that problem.
0: What about uh, for laptops? Are we gonna see it in there?
4: It is, I think, slowly happening the same thing. They're already at 60 watts going to 100 watts. You wanna charge those very fast. And the beautiful thing now is that we have a powerful enough charger to charge your laptop fast, but it's small enough you wouldn't mind carrying it with your phone.
0: Right. I, well, I've got a 60-inch uh, MacBook Pro, and my, I think my,
4: uh, my power adapter weighs more than the laptop. Right, right, exactly. So we're really changing the mindset of having a charger per mobile device, one for your phone, one for your tablet, one for your laptop, but actually one that's powerful enough for your laptop and smaller than you're used to, but small enough to carry with your phone or your tablet. So you have one device to do everything.
0: That's what we need. Now we don't need to even
4: carry power strips with us on travel like we usually do, right? Exactly. Make it all go away. Simplify your world, unclutter the world, one device, one cable, and you're done.
0: Very cool. So if people want to learn
4: more about gallium nitride, should they go to Navitas.com? Actually, you can go to Navitas.com, where we have a consumer-facing site called GanFast.com. Very simple. You can see all the Gan chargers, learn about the technology, where to buy them, have a buy now button. It's all, it's all there. GanFast.com.
0: That's fantastic. That's what we're looking for. Thank you very much, Eugene. I'll, I'll see you at Thanksgiving, I guess.
4: <laughs> Sounds good, my cousin. Take care. I
0: really enjoyed talking to my cousin Eugene there, and like I said, that was one of our favorite interviews because it was so nerdy. But you know, things at CES are basically vaporware, right? That's what everybody tells you. Everyone knows all the cool stuff we see doesn't necessarily come to market. But when we were done talking to Gene, he handed me a little goodie bag. Inside it were three wall chargers that are actually available right now and that take advantage of gallium nitride semiconductor technology from Navitas. I'm going to tell you about each of the chargers, and I want to give you the incentive to listen. These chargers are less than half the weight of the silicon-based chargers you've been hefting around for all these years. Not only are they tiny and light, but they also offer the newfangled technology of power delivery. Now, I've been touting power delivery, also called PD, for a long time, but I have to confess I didn't know exactly what was so cool about it. So as one does, I went to the source to learn about power delivery. I headed over to usb.org, where they explain in plain English, mostly, why you care about power delivery. They explain that USB power delivery has the following features. It has increased power levels from existing USB standards up to 100 watts. Now that got me thinking, well, wait a minute, what was the limit before power delivery? According to digikey.com, they put a little table together and I put it in the show notes, even with USB-C type C, the max power was 15 watts. It wasn't until USB PD 3.0 that the 100-watt dream was achieved. Now, for you weenie laptop owners, you might not care past 65 watts, but those of us with big girl 15- or 16-inch MacBook Pros and other suitably large PC laptops do care about 100 watts. The next thing they explained was that power direction is no longer fixed. This enables the product with the power, host, or peripheral to provide the power. Now, translating what they said there, this allows a phone to charge another phone or a laptop to charge a phone and back. That's pretty cool advancement. They also said that, uh, uh, let's see, it can optimize power management across multiple peripherals by allowing each device to take only the power it requires and to get more power when required for a given application. So think about it. Now that we travel with, what, like 12 devices, it's helpful that they will negotiate what they need when plugged into one charger. Imagine a Mac, an iPad, and an iPhone all in one charger, and them all being polite about how much power they draw. The last thing that power delivery gives us is intelligent and flexible system-level management of power via optional hub communication with the PC. Allows low-power cases, such as headsets, to negotiate for only the power they require. Now, you know, I never thought about headphones as being power hogs, but I guess that could happen. All right, now that we're excited about how light and small the new gallium nitride chargers are and that we know they give us power delivery, let's talk about the three chargers I got to play with. I figured that if I was to keep my nerd badge intact, I should measure the power delivery for each charger, so I bought a USB-C power meter. Fortunately, after two tests, the power meter failed on me. I was sad not to be able to give you some geeky measurements, but the vendor sending me a new power meter for later entertainment. All right, now, how about those chargers, Allison? Well, I'm going to start with the tiniest one. It's a 30-watt charger from a company called AUKEY, A-U-K-E-Y, and for some reason it's in all capital letters. This charger is only 3.6 centimeters, I'll say it again, 3.6 centimeters on a side, weighing in at a grand total of 45 grams. This power delivery charger will not only charge an iPhone 11 Pro Max, it's got the same power as the charger that comes with a 12-inch MacBook. Now, in case you don't think in metric, the Aki USB-C PD charger weighs 23% of the equivalent 30-watt MacBook charger, and it's 49% of the volume. So less than half the size and a quarter of the weight. Seriously, this thing's going to get lost in your bag. The Aki 30-watt charger also only costs $25 on Amazon, where the Apple 30-watt replacement charger will run you $49, so the Aki is half the price. I started poking around, and Aki has a ton of other USB-C PD chargers with gallium nitride on Amazon. They've got a sexy little 60-watt charger with two USB-C ports on it for only $50. Now, at the exact time of this recording, there's also a 30 percent off coupon on Amazon, bringing this down to 35 bucks. Remember, how power delivery will allow the devices to negotiate how much power they use, so having three devices plugged in should work just fine. The next charger I want to talk about is the RaV Power uh, Pioneer PD. Now, this is bigger than the Aki, but it's also a 61watt power supply. It's 5 centimeters square and 3 centimeters thick, and it still only weighs a dainty 92 grams. At 61 watts, it's the same power as the one that comes with the 13-inch MacBook Pro. But the RavPower weighs 47% of what the Apple charger weighs, it's 50% of the volume, and at $49 and the Apple charger at $69, it's only 71% of the cost. Again, a no-brainer to pick up the RavPower Pioneer D as your travel charger for your laptop. Now, I know my 16-inch, mag- 16-inch MacBook Pro came with a 96-watt charger, but for a really long time, I've just been using a 65-watt charger when I travel. It's not as fast, but man, the size and weight are much more manageable. Now, I can cut that, uh, that size and weight in half again. If you're a road warrior and want a small, light, inexpensive charger for your laptop, the Power Pioneer PD is a great choice. Your only decision is whether you want it in black or white. Now, just after singing the praises of the RavPower 61-watt charger, I want to tell you about the Egtronic Sirius 65-watt PD charger. The weight is nearly identical to the RavPower, and the volume is nearly the same, but the shape and the ergonomics of it are completely different. The Egtronic Sirius is flatter and thinner, so instead of a cube-like form, it's 5 x 7 by 2 centimeters. They've also put some really clever engineering into the plug itself so that it kind of folds out in a unique way. It's kind of hard to describe, but one side sort of appears shorter than the other as the two uh, the two plugs kind of fan out of the charger. It's very pleasing and clever, as I said. It also comes with a really nice braided USB-C cable that's nearly six feet long. Might be too long. The Sirius also comes in black or white. Oh, there goes Siri responding to me as I say Sirius. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Thank you, Siri. Okay, that's enough. Hush up. All right. Well, I hope all of your uh, uh, devices went off too. Anyway, it comes in black or white. There's one major drawback though to the electronics Sirius. It costs $100 on Amazon. So instead of being less expensive than the Apple 61 watt charger, it actually costs 45% more. It is beautiful. And the engineering they put into it is lovely. And it does come with that crazy long braided cable, but the cost might be prohibitively too high. Now, you know I love my Amazon affiliate links, as I believe I've mentioned already, but I do double-check from time to time on whether it's actually a good deal. When this came out so expensive, I went to the Egtronic website and I found that it was only $80 at store.egtronic.com. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. Then I took a look at the shipping and that's where things got weird. It offered me two options, $20 for express shipping, or spedizione lente 4-5 giorni lavorativi for $7. <laughs> okay. I went off to translate.google.com, and I determined that they were saying slow shipping 4-5 to five business days for $7, evidently in Italian. The Amazon price of 100 bucks was free shipping for Prime members, so if you went slow shipping from where it appears to be Italy, you'd be saving about $13 if you go direct. The interesting thing about them being Italian is that they show this giant list of countries they'll ship to, which is great, but it's a U.S. plug on the electronic uh, series. I had it around on their site, and I couldn't find a European plug, so you can have it shipped to you, but it's a U.S. plug when you get it. Now, I know the Electronic Series costs a grip, as Rob Dunwood would say, but it's also a delightful piece of hardware, and probably the one I'll choose to carry around with me. But do note that I didn't pay for it myself. I'm so excited about the effect gallium nitride is having on wall chargers that I wondered why we aren't seeing a similar level of product shrinkage in battery chargers. So I asked my resident electrical engineer, Steve, why that was. He explained to me that the main purpose of wall chargers is to convert the AC power from the wall into DC power required by our portable devices. With batteries, they already provide DC power, so no conversion is required, so no gallium nitride is needed for batteries. The bottom line is that we now have a fantastic set of options to reduce the weight, volume, and even cost of the chargers that we all tote around from home to the coffee shop to work or even distant lands. My shoulder and my pocketbook are eternally grateful to Navitas for their technological advancements with gallium nitride. I'm with Scott Taylor of Sense, and I purposely went to talk to these people because they've got a way of monitoring the energy usage in your home. And it looks like it's a really intriguing idea. Tell us about it, Scott.
5: Yeah, sure, that's right. So it's a a product that installs inside the electric panel. It's a very easy 15-minute install, and it measures the electricity of the whole home, and it can also measure the solar production that's coming from panels on the roof, if you have them. What we do is we study that signal, and we're able to break that down into which appliances are coming on and off, and how much energy they're using. So that can tell you where you're wasting energy in your house, whether you're using things efficiently or not, how much of your solar energy you're using if you have solar. But it also tells you things like when your microwave was used, did you remember to close the garage door when you used it? Any, Just about anything in your house that uses a signal, we can find. And Let
0: me ask you, uh, the, the graphic, this is for audio listeners as well, the graphic is showing us Uh, Fridge, sump pump, solar, microwave, how is it figuring that out?
5: So we sampled the electricity usage at a very high rate, 41,000 times a second. And when you're looking that closely at the electric signal, you can see little unique signatures when a microwave comes on or when a front-loading washer powers up. So that's what allows us to do so,
0: that. Yeah. So there's So you've got algorithms that can actually uh, identify what it is by that signature.
5: Yep. They use machine learning, and based on all the homes we have installed, they're able to figure out what does this usually look like. Right? Interesting.
0: What happens if you've got like a really old refrigerator that's you know sucking energy like crazy and you've got a brand new one? Would they have similar signatures? or you can tell them both?
5: We we can tell them both, um, typically. And, you know, there are some appliances that are hard to find. The older ones tend to be easier in many ways. Um, But, for example, a lot of people will buy a new energy efficient refrigerator get a rebate from their utility then they'll take the old one put oh, it in there you betcha garage,
0: you betcha we do i got a full of beer, beer no yeah. no i got i got a lot more than two but i have a but beer fridge but it's using
5: twice as much energy sometimes as the one that's up in the in the kitchen so. yeah it really is but you uh, know okay. it's not all about finding the appliances it's also about giving you very real time feedback. You know, so that's the thing that we can do by sampling and, and connecting to your Wi-Fi is we can tell you when you turn something on, bang, there it is, even if we haven't figured it out yet. And that real-time feedback, it's kind of like a Fitbit, you know, for your house.
0: What you measure, you will change.
5: Yeah, exactly. It's like, wait a minute, why, you know, why did this using so I didn't know that used so much. And, you know, it helps you find these things in your house. You had no idea we were using Would you
0: start to notice things like, I know plasma TVs are no longer a thing, but I used to walk past a plasma TV and I'd get a sunburn. I'm, yep. I'm thinking you would be able to see, hey, wait, that LCD TV I bought is yep. hardly using anything in well, this.
5: Uh, on our website, we've got a bunch of stories that users have posted called Sense Saves. And a, a big offender are these old, like, you know, bass amplifiers for old audio equipment. That, oh, really? <laughs>
0: oh, that's it. <laughs> that, you know. I never thought about that. So there's things that.
5: like yeah. that that you should probably put on a smart plug or something if you're not using it all the time.
0: Somebody, I don't know, has the TV on all day long in your house. Uh, it would show that.
5: Uh, some TVs use more than others. If it's a new TV, it's probably not using that much. But your DVR box, on the other hand, is probably always using a lot of energy. Oh, really? That. Oh. We did a story about this a while ago, where we looked at how much energy they use, and even when you turn them off, they don't save that much energy. So Um, you
0: mentioned putting it on a smart plug as a solution, so it's like a Fitbit. It's also, now what do I need to do about fixing it? Not not just what's wrong.
5: I mean, some things you can just remember to turn them off uh, or use them less often. Uh, but or, or upgrade the appliance because it's old and inefficient, like a dehumidifier. Uh, but other things you have to use, but you say something like a DVR that's on all the time and it's always sucking energy, why not put it on a smart plug and on a schedule that powers it on at three in the afternoon or whenever I'm about to start watching TV? Uh,
0: I needed to record MASH at three in the morning.
5: <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, but it's whatever works for you. But, but smart plugs can help, and we can actually talk to smart plugs too so that you can see. Them in the app and turn them off and on. Oh, that's
0: cool. So, looking at the physical devices here, it, what I'm seeing is a, a red box, maybe size of a, a couple of cell phones back to back. It looks like it's got an antenna on it. This is what goes inside the uh, in the, the circuit breaker
5: box. Yep, this right? installs. This goes inside the panel. There's two clamps that you put around the main feed from the utility. So you don't need to wire up every breaker, which would take forever. You just put two clamps in around the main feed from the My utility. right oh. there. Oh, right here, here's Steve. Yep. Steve? Yeah.
0: But, right. No, look, watch right here. It's a clamp. Yeah. OK.
5: Now, you'll see in this picture, we've got two more clamps, and those are for measuring the solar that's coming into this panel, OK? Mm-hmm. If, okay. You, if you don't have solar, you don't need the two extra clamps. And then you also have to wire it into Uh, a 240-volt breaker so that we can see the voltage on the house as well, okay? Now this is inside the panel and it's, you know, it's live electricity. It should be an electrician. A lot of electrically handy people can do it themselves, but it should be an electrician. We're
0: engineers, so we might be able to do it. So now what is the wristband I see on the...
5: Usually only a 15-minute install for somebody who knows what they are doing. Okay, cool. What are the wristbands then? These are just uh, our, our gift. Oh. Uh, to you. <laughs> it's a USB drive that's got the press kit on it.
0: Oh, okay. I thought, wow, is it going to shock me when I turn the TV on too many times? Yeah.
5: Looks kind of like a Fitbit, and we think we're kind of like the Fitbit for the house. Really.
0: I like it. So I haven't described for the audio listeners that the display that we're looking at is, is a bubble chart. Yep. So the EV charger, for example, is a giant bubble. The HVAC is a smaller one. Solar is pretty big. The fridge is actually pretty little. So you're, you've got a good graphical interface and then you can drill down into
5: each one of you the can, devices? We'll, yeah, you can drill down into the devices and see what each one used last month, last week. You can look at monthly reports, weekly reports, daily reports. We'll send you, you can set alerts Tell me when the oven's been on for more than two hours. Things like that. that. Means I forgot yeah. <laughs> because that I don't bake anything that it's long. Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Um,
0: what, I, what I like about this is that it's at the electrical box. I've heard about these devices you can put where you put it between the TV and the wall, TV yeah. and the outlet. It's like, okay, now I know what that is. Now I got to unplug it from there and I got to exactly. plug it in the next thing. Yeah. And I just know I'm going to do like two of those and I'm going to give up and stop playing.
5: Right, that's exactly this right. This
0: gives you situational awareness relative to each other, like you said, like this TV is worse than that TV, or this fridge that I have in the garage with my 85 cans of beer is using a lot of energy, exactly right?
5: Exactly right, exactly right. And for the things that we haven't found yet, you can just look at the real-time thing when we tr- you turn it on or unplug it and see how much it was using, because you can see the wattage change. We've also got an en- energy nerd view, as I call it, the power meter which just shows you the overall power consumption and solar production. So it's graphically
0: time. over time, going real yeah. time. So if you
5: go flip lights on and off, you can see how much it's going up and down. Oh, right? that
0: is really cool. So the company is called Sense. It's called Sense. Yep. Okay. And where would people go to find out
5: more? Um, you can go to Sense.com to find out more. You can buy the product there. You can buy the product on Amazon.
0: Oh, you can. It's already available. Yep. Oh, great. And can I ask your price point?
5: 2 dollars for the standard version, an extra $50 for the clamps for solar. If you Wow. Yes, that
0: is fantastic. I think that's, uh, that's something I'm really interested in. I know a lot of our uh, listeners are interested in saving energy, too. Fantastic. Great. Thank All you very right. much, Scott. Thank you. Well, I was so excited about that that I immediately went to Amazon and looked it up and found it on there, and I put uh, it on my birthday list. So I hope to get one of those for uh, my birthday, and it'd be really fun to tell you guys all about whether it actually works as well as they said. Everybody's interested in ways for us to find better sources of water and to get sources to, to get water to people who don't have access to clean water, or more efficient ways to get to water. And I'm with uh, a Baz from WaterGen, who's going to talk to us about Solar Jenner, Je- sorry, Solar Jenny. We're Solar looking Jenner. here at a thing that looks about like a sparklets container, so tell <laughs> us about the Solar Jenny.
6: Okay, this is our Jenny. Uh, the Jenny doesn't need any piping, only electricity. Uh, The Jenny makes water out of the air, out of the humidity in the air. The way we do it is with a condensation system. Our condensation system is a a patentable one. It's registered as a patent all over the world. The reason it's patentable is because it's making the water out of the humidity in a very efficient way, a very quick way and the water flavor and quality is amazing. Premium, premium quality.
0: So uh, in order to do this, I'm assuming there's some sort of condensation process, right? Humidity into, into water. You've got something cold going on in here. How are you doing that?
6: Yeah, there is a cold system in our uh, condensation system, a cold pipe. The, the, the cold uh, action is made by gas, a very friendly gas that each one of the refrigerator is using. And actually, our condition system uh, changed the temperature in related to the outside temperature. Because the 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 points where humidity changed to water is changing by the outside temperature.
0: Right, the outside conditions, sure. Yeah,
6: so yeah. we can change the temperature all the time.
0: So uh, so you've got a condenser in here. You started telling us earlier before we got on the air here about uh, the fins. You've got a special kind of fins?
6: Yeah, actually, our system made out of fins. We have two kinds of fins, plastic fins, aluminum fins. Between the fins, we have the cold pipes. Uh, those are very special fins. The fins are our secret. The size of the fin, the material of the, f- the material the fins are made of. And That's
0: pretty the, much the magic sauce right there.
6: Uh, yeah, and something is happening inside the fins, but I can't talk about it.
0: <laughs> so, um, let's talk about how much, uh, how much water can you make in a day?
6: Okay, our journey can make up to 30 liters per day or eight gallons. Uh, the quantity of the water depends on the humidity and the temperature outside.
0: So, I would think you could make a lot of water in Florida, not as much in Tel Aviv. Uh,
6: Absolutely right. (laughs) We can make the same quantity, but not in the same time.
0: okay. Right, right. Sure. It will
6: make 30 liters anyhow. Right. Uh, The water isn't in the air. In Florida, it will be like in 18 hours, and in Tel Aviv, it can be 30 hours.
0: Right, right, right. So uh, how much power is this going to use, say, in that, that average? Uh, uh,
6: actually, the, the power consumption is very low. We, we need only 0.7 kilowatts uh,
0: per hour, right? Per
6: hour on a regular uh, uh,
0: steady state operation. condition. Steady
6: state operation.
0: Okay, okay, great. Um, I think I should taste it, though, don't you think? Yeah, let's taste the water. Do I want some uh, cold water, maybe? Yeah. Do I hold the button?
1: Yeah, that's
6: it.
0: All right, oh, ah. oh, oh, let's see. See how good this tastes. Are we gonna cheers on it?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I drank a little bit first. In Hebrew, we say L'chaim. L'chaim. L'chaim.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um, that, so that tastes really, really good. Why yeah. does it taste so good?
6: Uh, actually, after the concentration process, uh, we get pure water, our mouth cannot taste pure water, Doesn't so we, taste right. no, it's very strange in the mouth, so we add calcium, and the calcium makes the taste that we feel when we drink the water.
0: Wow, that's really, really interesting. So uh, water gen, solar geny would that be for the home, or are you targeting areas that don't have clean water? What's uh, we the target
6: the solar solution to home and places uh, in Africa, in Asia, or places that uh, there is a problem with the electricity, or they have no infrastructure for water in the ground.
0: Okay, so it comes, I didn't even notice the word solar in front of Jenny every time I've said it, so I'm seeing you've got a uh, solar panel that goes with it?
6: We have a system of three panels, that's it, that uh, we connect the Jenny to the panels, and the solar solution can make up to one gallon per day. So eight liters per day, two gallons per day.
0: That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So if people want to learn more about WaterGen, Solar, Jenny, uh, where would they go?
6: Uh, we are going to launch the product uh, in June in the US. And then we'll continue to the rest of the world. But our first market will be the US. We are now targeting uh, retailers in the US and few other B2B uh, people that will help us to spread the rumors about air to water, water to air.
0: Do you have a, uh, a, a price point on the uh, Jenny without the solar panel?
6: Yeah, uh, the retail uh, price that uh, we would like to have is $2,500. Okay, that's right about what I was thinking. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very fair price to what you get the quality the the it's a premium water solution and uh, i i think every consumer that will have this at home uh, will have his own uh, water system at home that's it
0: no matter what well you're helping to save the world thank you very much uh this is very interesting
6: thank you very much for coming
0: when i took the sip of water All I could think of when I looked at Steve was I took a sip of the water and I wanted to say, that's good bass. If you don't know that uh, little joke there, uh, ask your your parents, kids. Well, that's going to wind us up for this week. Don't forget to send in your dumb questions, comments, and suggestions. You can do that by emailing me at allison at podfeet.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Remember, everything good starts with podfeet.com. You want to become a patron of the Podfeet podcast? podfeet.com slash patreon. Want to donate just one time? Try podfeed.com slash PayPal. Want to join our Facebook group? Podfeed.com slash Facebook. Want to get into the Slack community? You can talk to Bart in there. Podfeed.com slash Slack. And if you want to join in the fun of the live show, but not on Super Bowl Sunday, head on over to podfeed.com slash live on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific time and join the friendly and enthusiastic Nocilla Castaways. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.